Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. You have absolutely no hope of doing right aside from knowing who Christ is in you. We've been talking about this series about being free from accusation. And it's fundamental to Christianity to understand what happened at the cross. Jesus is God in the flesh. God emptied himself to become a human so that he could dive into the darkest parts of our sin and darkness and death of what we have created with what he's given us and defeat it and rise again successful as a human so that he could give eternal life to humans. In other words, a human messed it up through Adam. A human had to fix it. None of us were good enough. Say, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. But Jesus is. Jesus so we participate in his life. He lived that perfect, sinless life so that he could be the perfect sacrifice to take upon himself our sin our disease, our darkness, the guilt, the condemnation, the penalty for breaking the law, everything that, rem that kept something between us and God, Jesus became it. Not, not just removed it, not just put it in a bag and carried it on his back to the cross as if he carried your sin. No, he became your sin. It's a full-on exchange of natures. You're a new creature. You're a different kind of being if you have the Spirit of God living within you. But it's spiritual in nature, and we don't experience it unless we think and believe that way. I know that's kind of nebulous, but let me, let me get where I'm going. See, because we live in a spiritual reality. Jesus said this all the time. They said, where's your kingdom? If you're a king, where's your kingdom? He said, well, my kingdom doesn't come with observation. My kingdom is not up there, or you're not going to say it's over there. It's within you. The kingdom of heaven is within and the kingdom of heaven, she, she is so stinking cute. I think I'm just going to sit here and look at her. I am distracted by your little eyeballs, little cutie. No, man, I, I'm a, I love these little babies. Keep them up here. I interrupt my, y'all visitors, I just interrupt myself when I'm preaching, but it's all right. Let, let me try to give you, I've got a few different concepts to piece together here. Y'all with me so far? The kingdom of heaven is not a far-off place that we're going to go to one day. Jesus said he brought the kingdom here. He said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel, for the kingdom of heaven is near you. And then he says the kingdom of heaven is in you. That's Jesus. So think of it this way, as a dimension rather than some far-off place. Now, there may be this literal throne of God, and I'm sure that there is some place, but as far as where we live with God, we're not trying to get to Him or trying to get Him to come to us. We're just trying to experience what He's already done within us. Does that make sense? So, we live in three, dimen three spatial dimensions and one temporal dimension. You didn't think you were going to get a physics lesson today, but here we go. So the three dimensions that we live in are you can go forward and backward, you can go left and right, or any combination of those two dimensions, right? 
That's a two-dimensional existence. You add a third dimension where you can go up and down, and now you can move within these three dimensions. Those are called spatial dimensions. We are in a space that we move within. Then there's a fourth dimension that Einstein defined, and it's time, and it's a temporal dimension. It only moves in one direction, but think about this. What do you have to do to experience time? It's just happening all around you. You are in it regardless of whether you try to be or not. Some of us want to kind of slow it down a little bit, you know. But it's a dimension that's moving and ongoing around you whether you choose to participate in it or not. The kingdom of heaven is the same way. It's a dimension that we are in. We are part of. And we can experience it because the kingdom of heaven has been placed within us. The Spirit of God is within us. And we can connect to the life that exists in that dimension. Does that make sense? So it's not... I want to demystify some of the stuff because, I mean, you know, you've heard encounters of people passing away and they go to a place and, 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 and I'm not taking anything away from that. And I'm not trying to define the whole of the spiritual dimension. I'm just talking about the perspective where, where we live from. See, because we've been told that God is out there and your performance is what makes him pleased or displeased and it makes him choose to come here and visit you or interact in your life or not. And that's a bunch of garbage. Amen. Romans 8 says, the way that you know you're in the Spirit is if you have the Spirit of God within you. I've got several scriptures here today that I'm not going to take the time to read, but if you want to write them down, go look them up. Romans 8. You know, depending on what kind of background you're from, trying to be in the Spirit might mean... You live holy and righteous. You don't ever sin. Or it might mean you're a good charismatic and you know how to roll your eyes back and pop into that dimension and see angels or something like that, you know. I don't know what your background is, but in the spirit has been made weird. You ever heard some weird stuff about what it is? Wondered what it is? It's real clear. God's in you, so you're in him. So experiencing what God has for us and church has done some weird stuff with it. We've made it about, I've got to get a bigger car. I've got to get a nicer house. I've got to get healing. I need a spouse. Or, you know, my child is sick. I want them to not have this sickness. So experiencing the kingdom of God, it's not even so much about things happening in your life as much as it is the kind of relationship that you're experiencing with God. Does that make sense to you? See, because when you know that the Spirit of God is in you because of what Christ did on the cross, when you know that you are made righteous and holy and cleansed and justified purely by His blood and His sacrifice alone, alone when you know, and I'm, I'm recapping about three or four weeks worth of messages here and we've got a few visitors and I, and I don't want to just totally, you know, go past what makes sense to you. But just the foundational aspects of when you understand that on the cross, Jesus became your sin so that you could become his righteousness and the law was fulfilled, the 630-something laws that the Jews kept and had as their righteousness or their right standing before God, Jesus fulfilled all of that on your behalf. 
so that you could be free. Not free to sin, because now we're talking about living in this spiritual relationship with God, which is just life-based. So you think about creation. You think about back in the garden. God would show up and walk with them in the garden. He wanted to be with them. They really messed that up. God had to put a divider there so they couldn't go into the Garden of Eden. Eventually, you see the children of Israel where Moses sends them, God sends Moses into Egypt and says, Get them out so that I can dwell among them. Again, God wanted to be with His people. Eventually, He wanted to get Christ into the land to change what kind of beings that we are so Christ could live in us, so that God could live in us, not just be with us. You ever been told that God will lift off of you or leave you based on your actions? That the, that the anointing is with you if you're doing right and if you do wrong, it leaves? That's a bunch of religious baloney. You can't send the Holy Spirit off of you. He lives in you. Does that mean it's okay to sin? No. No, no we're talking about spiritual truths. Because here's the thing. When you understand the kind of being that you are, you know that you're righteous. You know that you've been made holy. What that does is it puts you in a place where you want to protect and preserve that kind of relationship. Amen. See, when you are experiencing the kingdom, you're experiencing righteousness, peace, and joy. When you are experiencing righteousness, peace, and joy, you're going to make decisions that lead you away from sin. You just will. When you believe and you know that Jesus has made you righteous by His blood, and that's your reality, sin has no appeal. In other words, your mind is set above, as Colossians 3 says, and I'll read that in a minute. But your mind is set above this physical realm of action and response to the spiritual place of I am one with the Father. When that's your reality in your heart and your mind, that's the place that you live from, and you're living from righteousness, peace, and joy. Now, when you are at peace, is it easy to make good decisions? Man, I promise you, every bad decision you've ever made is when you were in the middle of chaos, freaking out, trying to figure out what the heck you're supposed to do. You make bad choices when you're in that state of mind. But when you know that you are accepted before the Father because of what Jesus did, not because of your actions, and you know that the Spirit of God is in you, and you know that you are part of this same dimension where Jesus is, and you're thinking along those lines, the fruit of that way of thinking is life and peace. The fruit of that way of thinking is staying away from sin, staying out of actions, staying out of the mindset that looks to this world for options and fulfillment. I'm having this conversation with my son. He's a video game addict. Anybody got those? It's like, he gets emotional if you take his games away, you know? I'm like, dude, you got to quit looking to this world for entertainment. I mean, he's 10, so I know he's not going to necessarily be able to meditate and sit down and pray about the Word of God and experience the kingdom of heaven, you know? I mean, he might. He does in worship. But practically, teaching even our kids... Quit looking outside to be fulfilled, you know. And then we tell them, build something. How many of you got kids, like preteens or teens, and you're, you tell them those things. It's like, quit playing so many games. Quit watching so much TV. And we focus on the behavior. Quit, quit, quit. Stop, 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 stop. 
But if we can inspire something from within them to desire something different, they'll make different choices. If they can connect to this creativity, this imagination within them, something inside that compels them, then they'll, they'll dictate to this world what they're going to do rather than looking to this world to tell them what they're going to do. It's the same way with us in the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> See, it, it takes a mind shift away from performance-based living before God to realizing I'm already accepted because of what Christ did. Now let me renew my mind according to that, and then I will live accordingly. You'll live according to the holiness that you've already been made. So, <clears throat> Romans 12 talks about that. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. In other words, think the way that this world thinks or act the way this world acts. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, that's the way we experience transformation. You don't experience transformation by quitting sinning. You know what I'm saying? It's like they tell you, quit smoking. Or like some places making it legal to smoke certain things now, but it's, that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but even that, you know, aren't you tired of trying to keep God happy? Well, let me tell you something. The truth is, He is happy with you if Christ is within you. But because of our choices, we don't experience that or live that. So we either stay in sin or we run from God. It's like, I don't want that church stuff. All those people are a bunch of hypocrites over there. I don't need that anyway. I'm good. You ever thought that? So what it does is it drives a wedge with the way that we've made people feel like they've got to do things to keep God happy in church. Rather than put them in the right relationship with the Father as the motivation for life and say, man, you know what? You're accepted. But the church, man, you know, and I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to bash the church. The church, what I mean by the church is every believer on the planet. But you go out on the street and there's a video that did this and they said, tell me one word that describes Christians. And then they said, tell me one word that describes Jesus. Imagine the difference. Christians was hypocrites, weird, uh, religious, condemning. Jesus, loving, peaceful, good man, teacher. You know, whether they believed he was Messiah or not, they still had a favorable impression of who Jesus was. Why is there such a difference? It's because we've made people think that the acceptance factor before the Father is performance. And so what we do is like, I don't like what you're doing. I think what you're doing is sin, so you need to get right. And if you don't get right, I'm going to threaten you with hell. It ain't working. I mean, does that, does that kind of, I mean, how many of you, don't raise your hand, but how many of you stayed away from church because of that type of stuff? Keep your hand down. <laughs> I don't want you to incriminate yourself. But it's like, uh, man, the world deserves better from Christians than guilt and condemnation. It deserves to hear the truth of what Jesus has done for them to have any hope of experiencing transformation. Amen. So for us as believers, 
where we are is in this relationship already made perfect before him because of the blood of Jesus. In this place where all we're doing is experiencing the transformation into more of him, into more to look like him. You know, Christianity, unfortunately, has been made about information. Let me go to church and learn something. And the more I learn, the more of a Christian I'll be. Well, you have the mind of Christ. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Because a friend knows what his master knows. And then he says, everything that the Father revealed to me, I've revealed to you. It's not about information. You don't become more of a Christian or more righteous because you learn more information. If you have the mind of Christ, is there anything that Jesus doesn't know? See, I'm not just trying to teach you behavioral Christianity. I'm not even trying to teach you any specific points. I, I, I want to kind of wash how you've been thinking about God and to change the way you think about how He sees you and who you are in Him. And the secret is, that's what's going to change your actions. That's what's going to change how you feel about yourself. That's what's going to change how you treat people. That's what's going to change about how you interact with God, the kinds of prayers that you have. You know, you quit begging God for forgiveness when you know you're already righteous. You ask for wisdom. You're forgiven. Now walk accordingly. Does that make sin okay? No. <laughs> Do you see the difference? So... The only thing for the believer that's left is not to try to do better, not to try to learn more information, but for more of Christ to be revealed in you. That's it. More of Christ to be revealed in you. Colossians 2, let me read this. And I know I'm going kind of fast. <clears throat> but Colossians, actually 1 Colossians 1.27, this is Paul speaking. He says, To whom God would make known what it is the riches of the glory of this mystery to the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You ever sat in church or hear Christians talk and you feel like, man, there's so much I need to learn. Like, like it's about Knowledge. I mean, think about what I'm saying to you. You ever felt that way? Well, I really need to learn more. I really need to learn more about the Bible. That's, that's the wrong approach. Yeah, read the Bible and learn more about the Bible, but so that Christ would be revealed in you. Everything in there points to the fact that you are a new creature, and in Him you are raised with Christ and seated in heavenly places for the purpose of God glorifying Himself through you, revealing Christ in you for the world to see. Now, our responsibility is to steward what He's put within us. In other words, we're to set our minds toward that and believe on what the cross accomplished. And the thing is, it produces fruit in your life. We've lived Christianity this way. God's over there, and in order for me to get where He is, I've got to walk the right straight path to be able to stand next to Him and be accepted with Him. And that's that's the way it was under the old covenant, but now he's in you. You have been made one with him. You are transformed inwardly already 
the kingdom of heaven is within, now we live in this place where we yield to that presence within us and it changes us outwardly. But see, religion doesn't like that because that doesn't really give you anything to do. It's like, okay, yeah, well, how do I apply that? You believe it and trust that it produces fruit. Because Romans 12, I already read it, says you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. We've been taught you're made holy, more holy, as you sin less. You become more righteous as you do better. You ever thought that? You ever believe that? Yeah. I'm not trying to trample underfoot this great salvation that we have or go light on sin, but we have no hope of living the way that we think we're supposed to if we're trying to do it externally. Did you catch what he says? You are transformed. In other words, you live according to the holiness that you've been made. You live according to the righteousness that's been placed within you. You experience the promises of God. You are transformed by the renewing of your mind, not by doing better, not by quitting sinning. Now, as you are transformed, what happens to sin? It loses its appeal. You just, you just don't want to choose that stuff. You don't want to react in anger. You don't want to use manipulation toward people. You don't want to live in this place where you're so guilty about yourself that you're angry with everybody else around you and you're this <coughs> hardcore exterior but you're broken inside. Transformation happens from the inside out. But it happens as we renew our minds. Do you get that? I mean, I really want to make it crystal clear that religious-based performance Christianity says change your actions to become more acceptable. Spiritual, true, kingdom living within you Christianity says you are acceptable. Now yield to that to be influenced to live that way. And it happens by the renewing of your mind. As you renew your mind, your actions will change. It just, it just happens. People will say, you know what, I don't think I want to do that anymore. I think I'm going to quit hanging around those kind of people. And it's like, it does, it's, it's not a law anymore. It's just, no, this, that takes my peace away. That takes my joy away. That makes me feel bad when I'm in that kind of conversation. And it's natural. It's a fruit. It's like the kingdom of God has been placed within the garden of our heart as a seed and it is growing to produce this fruit and we become transformed as we yield to the truth that's already within us. Do you see that? Now, the thing about that is, is it robs religion of the seven steps of how to get God to show up in your life. Or it robs the idea of God's out here and He's angry with you. And so if you'll pray this prayer, then He'll release repentance and forgiveness. No, you're already accepted in Him. You are accepted in the Beloved. Now, believe accordingly. Set your mind and your heart toward that truth and you watch what happens. Because let me ask you, how far have you gotten by trying to do right? How far have you gotten by trying to just change your actions? Man, we really, we try hard because we're, we're sincere. We want to live a life pleasing to the Father. 
We want God to be pleased with our lives, but you don't please God through performance. You please, you please God by faith. Because as you trust in Christ in you, you're transformed and God says, look what I've done. My spirit within them has produced this. Not, you've done good enough, now here's a cookie. Because you cannot live up to any standard that God has externally. It's got to be that internal inspiration and motivation. And that's why the, the church collectively on the planet is in the condition that it's in. Because we're not living from acceptance. Think about your friends, your spouses, your kids. What are the relationships like with those people that you're not overlooking their chaos? You're not excusing their bad behavior, but you have a connection that's stronger what they do. Your connection with that person is built on they're either family or you've been through too much with them that you aren't relating to them based on their behavior. That's how it is with God. We're in this place where we're connected at the heart. We're connected at the spirit. And he's not overlooking your sin. He's not closing a blind eye to it. He just says, I know that if this connection can strengthen, that stuff won't have any power over you anymore. Because the kind of being that you are is free from the power of sin. You know, you are dead in Christ. The old you was crucified with Christ buried with him, and if you receive him by faith, you're raised with him, and he lives within you. Man, so how do I do that? Flip over to Colossians 3. Is this making sense to you? Colossians 3, verse 1. This word, um, if, could as easily been translated as since, but let's just read it as if, and then I'll ask you a question. If then, uh, if you then be risen with Christ, so are you risen with Christ? The way that you know you're risen with Christ is you've said yes to Jesus. I don't know how all this works, but yes, I'm willing to receive this righteousness that you've given me. And the word says that that means that you have been raised with him and seated in heavenly places. So it's not if in that it's, in con it's conditional. Does that make sense? The condition is, is God in you? All right. I know that's a lot, and I'm kind of throwing a lot at you, but I, I want to bring it all down to one point. Since or if you've been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. This is the path to experiencing life like you've always wanted it. I'm not talking about like you get your G650 jet and your Mercedes. If that happens, then so be it. I'm talking about experiencing righteousness, peace, and joy and abundance beyond what you can think or imagine. Not necessarily materially, although that might happen. It's more about this peace and experiencing this relationship with God. Amen? So let's break this down just a little bit. Since you're risen with Christ, set your affection on things above. That word affection means mind or thoughts. 
or seek those things which are above. That, that, go to verse 2. Is that King James that we have in there? Yes. Yeah, so, so the word affection means mind or thoughts. And in, in a deeper part of the definition, it means emotions. You know, our responsibility as believers is to set our thoughts and our mind toward the things of heaven, toward the things of God. In Hebrews 6, one of the very first foundational foundations of the faith is faith toward God. So where it says, since you're risen with Christ, set your affection on things above, that word above is really kind of a poor translation and should be toward. Because if you are in the kingdom now, then you're not trying to get to the Father or get Him to show up in your life because He's with you. You're one with Him. You are hidden with Christ in God. Do you see that? So we're not setting our things on, okay, heaven's up there and they're having a field day and they're really good at not sinning, but down here it's really rough. No, it's toward Him. That's King James. Yeah. <laughs> the key to you experiencing righteousness, peace, and joy is in the way that you think. And I'm not just talking about mind over matter. I'm not talking about making things happen with willpower. What I'm talking about is a state of existence that you already exist within, righteous and holy, connected to the Father, and then thinking and re renewing your mind accordingly. Does that make sense? So like, it, let's, let me talk about adoption. You know, these kids in third world countries. I mean, think about Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie and their kids. How many kids have they adopted? Anybody know? A lot. 35? <laughs> A lot of kids. I mean, you got this kid from Africa that is destined to a life of poverty, hunger, lack, and they get adopted by some of the richest people on the planet. What kind of life change is that? They didn't do anything. They just were breathing, and all of a sudden, here come this family and picks them, and they brought them into their family. They give them their name. They give them their assets. They share with them their quality of life. And when that couple passes away, what's going to happen for them? Inheritance. An inheritance. See, Jesus died and rose again and gave us what he inherited. Amen. we got to think of ourselves more as kids of God, sharing in this inheritance of Jesus, this quality of life, not about material stuff, but the, just the kind of life that we can have. You can live a life of peace. You can live a life free from struggle and guilt and condemnation. You can live a life where it's easy to choose the right thing because that's the kind of family that you're in. That's the kind of being that you are. See, the Pitts kids are going to inherit cars and houses and money. What we inherit is righteousness, peace, and joy. It is your birthright to have peace. Amen. And the way that you experience that 
is you renew your mind. Because it's already true spiritually, then as you renew your mind, it becomes true in this dimension. You see what I'm saying? You walk it out. <laughs> it's already true of you. Now, that's why we teach so much on foundational things about what happened at the cross, so that you'll know what's true of you, the kind of being that you are, so that when we attempt to live in this world the way Jesus did, we're already grounded in the relationship that we have with the Father, and it's not about performance, and it's not about permissiveness. See, some people hear this kind of message and they think, well, you're just... You know, you, you just think actions don't matter. No, I'm talking about a higher plane of thinking. I'm talking about spiritual life where there is no option for sin. There is no option for disappointing God. You can live a kind of life full of hope and peace and joy because it's already true of you because what Jesus did, the only thing that's left is renew your mind so that Christ is revealed within you. And so we have to trust that the nature of spirit is growth and fruit. It's like a tree. You plant a tree, whatever kind of seed it is, you know eventually it's going to produce that kind of fruit, right? You don't sit there and try and make it happen. You don't do anything to that seed other than protect what's around it. We have the kingdom seed within us. The way we protect what's around it is we renew our mind. And as we renew our mind, that kingdom seed grows and produces kingdom fruit. Man, that's good preaching. Because yeah, it <laughs> it's hope, right? I mean, how good, at you, how, good have you, how good are you at staying out of sin when you try really hard? Man, some, some days yes, yeah, some days no. But what if from a place of where you live from out of your emotions and your abiding thoughts and how you see yourself was already established in peace, what would change about your life? What kind of people would you allow to speak into your life? What would you be affected by and not affected by? Would you allow those codependent relationships? Would you allow that anger toward you to manipulate you? All whoever those people are in your life that, you know, they know how to push our buttons. We just wouldn't be, we wouldn't fall prey to that type of stuff. The inheritance of God that is your right is to live in this place of acceptance with the Father and think accordingly, set your mind toward what's true of the kind of being that you are in that dimension and it will produce fruit in your life. Staying out of sin gets easy. Choosing the right thing gets easy. But speaking the right words to other people gets easy. See, here's the other thing. Jesus came that we would experience life and that more abundantly. Paul prayed that, he, that our needs would be met according to his riches in glory. When you're, when you're connected with who you are in front of God, it just grows into your life. You ever made the decision, you know, sometimes we pray and it's like we tell God, this is what you're supposed to do. It's like, I'm going to pray, and if you'll do this, you'll do this, you'll do this, you'll do this, you'll do this. Then it'll work out for me. I mean, think about it. Your prayers. Oh, dear Lord Jesus, make that person do this. 
<laughs> As if your hope and your joy is going to come from this outside world. Rather, pray for the wisdom. Pray that you are rooted and grounded in His Word, that you are experiencing His love for you, and watch this world change around you. Amen. See, we have, we, because we approach Christianity from a Western, external, law-based mentality, we don't realize that there is this life-giving spirit in us leading us and guiding us. And that same spirit is changing us so that we will live according to its principles. That, that's like, that's weird to us. What? No, you're supposed to tell me what to do. No, I'm telling you, man, there's a way of living with God that is natural. I, and I'm not just trying to make you feel good. You know what I mean? <laughs> this isn't just a feel-good message. I want to squarely root you in the truth to give you hope to live this life the way you've been trying to live your whole Christian life. You know what I'm saying? I want you to have hope that your life can get better and change, but the only hope is by yielding to what's already happened within your spirit. Man, if we could get that, we would live from that place of peace and acceptance. So what would change in your life if you lived from a place of peace? Just think about that for a minute. What do you think would see, you'd see different in your life if it weren't chaos, if it weren't reactionary? Whatever your thing is, you know, whatever it is that robs that peace for you. What if there was that atmosphere of heaven within you that when you approached that scenario, you made decisions from that place of joy and hope and righteousness and peace, which is the kingdom, which is in you? What would change about your life? It's not about doing something different out here. It's about living from this place in here, and then you will naturally share that in this world. Father, we thank you so much. Jesus, we thank you for being obedient to the death of the cross to make us accepted before the Father because of your sacrifice. And I just want you to get this picture in your mind, that when you go before the Father... What he's going to look at you and see is, are you coming in the name of Jesus or are you coming in your own performance? Are you approaching God with the righteousness of Jesus as your sacrifice or are you approaching him with your sin? You're feeling bad about yourself, all that stuff. Now, some of you are visual, some of you are not. But just get to a place in your mind and in your heart where you are standing before God Almighty and you are offering Jesus as your acceptance. And he says, yes, you are acceptable to me because you have come through my son. You are acceptable to me because you are receiving what I have done through my son. And that alone is your righteousness. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you for wisdom. Thank you for grace. Thank you for courage and strength to protect that kind of relationship that we have with you. 
Lord, we yield our minds and our hearts to be led by you so that we'll choose things that are in, agree in agreement with how you see us and we'll show the world how good you are by letting you bear fruit in our lives. Thank you for that peace that we have with you. Amen.